Because <laughs> <laughs> from the beginning, you sign a contract with the devil. It's always hard to get the, the Farsi audiences on board with <laughs> my, my brand of humor. How do we stop yeah. Armando? What do we do? He gave us the perfect. But yeah, yeah. <laughs> is this broadcasting in France? I'm being nervous. I don't now, care. <laughs> yeah, well. Welcome to the Dry Bar Comedy Podcast, the podcast that's funny for everyone, where we sit down with your favorite dry bar comedians and get to know them and talk a little comedy and have some laughs. I'm Jordan Macon, one of the co-hosts. And, and I'm Taylor Nielsen, also one of the co-hosts. And we're super excited to be doing this. I'm Jordan, I think we should talk, tell a little bit about like why the heck we're doing a dry bar comedy podcast. Well, we, dry bar puts out all these amazing specials. And with people, great comedians. With great comedians. I mean, I've, we'll get to it later, but I've done a couple. Yeah. And the response is, we need more. We want to know more about these comedians. We want to dive into some of their bits, and we want to have a good time doing it. Yeah, people want to be able to know these comedians like they're their friends. And this will be a time we can all just, chi you know, chill, hang back. Chill. Hang out. Hang out. Talk about the comedy. And I mean, this podcast, I don't want to insult anybody. Well... But this might be as funny as any of the specials themselves. Could be funnier. Could be funnier. Because we not only have one comedian doing jokes, we got three comedians sitting down. Yeah. We have riffing. two funny comedians and three comedians total <laughs> sitting down. And we uh, won't specify who's. Yeah, you get to decide which you, one is which. It'll become clear. <laughs> it'll become clear. Um, a little bit about who we are. Uh, I'm, I'm Taylor Nielsen, as I said. And my background is kind of like the behind-the-scenes dry bar. I've worked for dry bar about three years now. Been in the rooms where the specials are edited and compiled. Met a lot of the dry bar comedians myself. I'm a comedian, an actor, an uh, entertainer in general. You kind of do it all. I kind of do it all. Uh, well, no, I don't. <laughs> uh, I don't <laughs> now that, that I think about it. Um, <laughs> but I'm providing that kind of behind-the-scenes aspect. And uh, right over here, we've got the scenes. The in front of the scenes aspect, yeah. behind in front of the scenes. Yeah, I'm Jordan Macon. You probably know me from my dry bar comedy specials. I have the BFFG, the Big Fat Funny oh, Ginger. That's a funny one. And uh, Heck Boy. And there's another it one. Even it, topped the, it topped the first one. It topped the first one. And the third one is not out, but it could be out soon. But it's I've been a comedian out. for 10 years, and I'm excited to be here on the podcast and... Uh, provide the in front of the scenes <laughs> perspective <laughs> we we got the scenes covered every angle um, so that being said I'm, we might as well jump into our first episode we're super excited to welcome our first guest he is known as the maestro of comedy he's a classically trained violinist who then made the transition to be a super funny comedian uh please welcome Armando Anto. Yes. Thanks You're for being add here. applause, right? There's You're a huge applause. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uproar yeah. of applause. Thank you for having me. Yeah, thanks for being here. It's so exciting. We're, we are stoked to have you. Yeah. I'm so happy to be back. It feels it feels like home now, you know, so it's good. Yeah, um, yeah, yeah. Would you want to tell us a little bit about your uh, path to the dry bar stage, you know, your beginnings in wherever you started to... Finding yourself recording a comedy special. It all started when I stopped drinking. <laughs> <laughs> one bad joke to start. We one bad dry joke. bar. That's yeah, where I need to go. Yeah, just one. So they, they can turn off the podcast right away. 
No, no, I uh, I started, actually, I'm going to end my show tonight with the story of why I started comedy, but uh, to get to the question, how did I come to Drybar, I was really looking for a platform to tape my first special. And so I went through different ones and some I didn't like, and some it wasn't accessible. And as I told you prior, I've done shows on NBC, on Fox, on so many networks, and nothing happened after that except the... The logo, the stamp, I've done NBC. <laughs> yeah, yeah. A nice credit. There exactly. It, yeah. But yeah. it did not help me grow much as far as my audience or anything. So then I saw how you guys were taping and everything. And I was I was jealous. I was like, I want my driver special. <laughs> I can do clean. Uh -huh. um, and so I'm actually, I'm always clean. And um, what was very impressive is as I got to dry bar, so I spoke with Keith and he asked for 30 minutes clean tape, which was easy. I had tons and he really liked it, I guess. And so he booked me. But what I was really impressed is when I got here. Because when you do big productions, it's like so many people that are not, they're not used to work together. Right. When you come here, it's like family business. It's like everybody know each other. And it was so smooth. There was no problem. I've done big stage with big sound problems. <laughs> no problems at all. No one mistake. And the show was incredible, but that's because I'm amazing. Um, <laughs> yeah, I don't know yeah. which camera I need I to look. I'm looking at all of look them. Look at all three of them. <laughs> say, they, all not, need, they all need to know. That's not dry bar that made it good. That was, that was all <laughs> yeah. yeah. But you know, when you have a vision in your life, and when I started stand-up, I had a vision. Right. Everything in my life, violin or business, traveling, whatever I've done in my life, I always had a vision, very, very precise. And it's never really the vision you want when it happens. But when Driver, when I got off the stage, I was like, wow, it felt like it. Oh, it actually awesome. felt like there was, what, three, four hundred people that night in each show. It was yeah. packed. And the show just went perfectly from beginning to end. Everybody was with me. And uh, I got a standing ovation. And uh, and then when I saw the tape, it was better than the performance. I was oh, like, this looks so good. That's a relief. Yeah. And and I'm very, uh, I mean, I got a million view on my, on my, a little more than a million <clears throat> on YouTube and I don't know, 1.5 on Facebook. So it was good, but I think I lost a lot of audience because I came with the violin on stage. And I think many people are like, eh, they don't want to see the violin. That, at I first. think people like the violin. Yeah. And I mean, because I was wondering, like, I'm trying to imagine, I've, I've gone to a bunch of comedy open mics and I'm imagining someone going up on stage and then pulling out a violin. And the open micers probably wouldn't like that. Oh, they hate me. <laughs> That's why I have a joke about it. Yeah. But um, yeah, your opening joke is good. I mean, yeah, it, yeah. it cuts me deep, but yeah, it's yeah. also. Yeah, because the joke is I bring something else to the stage talent. Uh, <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> so. And I go, ah, he's right. But yeah. tonight, tonight I'm going to try the opposite. Tonight the violin will be on stage, kind of hidden. Yeah. And I'm going to come to five minutes without any... Oh, cool. I'm going to come with very strong jokes up the beginning. And then once they know I'm funny, then I'm going to like, by the way, I'm a classical yeah. violin. You're going to have like the violin strapped your back, like die hard, you know, like duct taped and then pull the violin off. With my face, <laughs> that might scare people. <laughs> <laughs> Got to remember where we live. Yeah, We'll try sure. that. <laughs> Yeah. I was I was rewatching your special this morning to oh, be wow. prepared for this. Yeah, and my wife was watching with me, and she was a uh, first chair violinist. Oh. in high school. Okay, and she said you're actually really good. <laughs> I, oh, I, just, I just wanted you to know that you are very good. So, I, so yeah. much truth. <laughs> so much truth tonight. Today, <laughs> I wish she said he, I was funnier than him. 
No, what I've heard. She says that about, about most comedians. That's just a, a border, <laughs> a bottom assumption. line assumption. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> Thank you to your wife. She has great taste. You so, tell yeah, her. she does. Hey, I, I I appreciate that too. That's so funny. So you started doing con- or started playing violin at five years old. Yeah. Yeah, the French Conservatory. I'm from France, so until I was 19. So, yeah, very. I always say, if you can play the classical violin, you can do whatever you want in life. Like comedies, people are like comedy is so hard. I'm like, eh, you don't know what hard is. <laughs> like, it's my third language. Like, it's not my first language, English. So, doing comedy not in my own language is far easier than playing the classical violin. And at the end of tonight, I'm going to play a real tricky piece I compose on the violin oh, that's to cool. close. And that's always the hardest part of the show. Even if it's been 34 years I played this instrument, it's still the hard. Not, not saying, not this, like, of course, amazing to be a comedian. And right. it is a hard job to go make people laugh. But uh, yeah, the violin is just something else. Yeah. It's so difficult. Well, I imagine yeah. part of it's like the discipline that it takes yeah. to learn violin you can apply in anything in your life. Well, it's a it's a terrible instrument because it takes <laughs> <laughs> it takes years to sound good, yeah. And you work so hard to sound terrible for years, so you get used to hard work and no results. Right. Then right. you go on stage and you sound like crap. <laughs> so like you get recognized that all the work you've done was useless. Yeah. And you do that for years. So as a child, you get used to okay, if I work hard, I get nothing. So I need to work very hard. Right. And so when I started stand-up, I approached it just like a concerto. Like it had to be perfect. If the joke is not polished and if the joke doesn't work everywhere at all time, I don't care. I do my my comedy in Spanish, in French, in Farsi and in English. Wow. And when I do it, if the joke doesn't work in every continent, I don't I don't keep the joke. So And I think that's your you use that same approach. Yeah. Yeah. It's always hard to get the the Farsi audiences on board with <laughs> my my brand of humor, but <laughs> so I'm burning a lot of jokes That's whenever. I... <laughs> wow. Who are your favorite audiences of all all the different types of audiences you perform for, and who are your least favorites? That's gonna be sad. <laughs> are you asking what what country? Yeah. What language? What race you like performing for? So the worst, what? the most demanding I had was the French audience, definitely. Yeah, I, I just came to from. I was in Paris in February. And over there, stand-up is booming. It's like 10 really? new clubs every year. Like oh, really? Paris wow. is just... That's cool. And every room is full. Everybody wants to stand up, but it's in French. Uh-huh. And so I came uh, with all my... You know, I, I, I did Cirque du Soleil in Las Vegas. I did so many amazing gigs before going to France. So I was like, yeah, they're going to they're gonna <laughs> eat it. And I, it's hard for me to tank. That sounds very arrogant. But it, <laughs> It's hard to tank because, first of all, I never go on stage and just hit the mic. Like, right. I'm always prepared. Mm-hmm. Right. And and I have this guy. And I don't use it in a quirky way. I surprise people with it. So it's hard for me to tank in any circumstances. But when I went to France, it was uh, I have not tanked like that since the beginning uh, when I started. <laughs> um, because I came on st- My voice on stage is the... I'm the arrogant French prick. You know, I'm the right. best in the world and yeah. I prove it. <laughs> and then I came in France with my violin and I'm like, oh my God, everybody's an arrogant French freak. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Who's this normal guy on stage? I had no, I, I suddenly lost my comedic voice. Like I'm, <laughs> That's so funny. And I have a violin, so they hate me even more because I was like, you're not funny, you're arrogant and you're violin. So literally 20 minutes of sweating. 
And uh, the only uh, oh. joke I got was when I say, you guys hate me, everybody laughed. Because <laughs> that was the truth. Truth in comedy, yeah. yeah. Standing so, ovation. And then I, after 20 shows in France, then I, I, I just toned it down. And I came from a different... So that was the toughest audience because the French people, not only they are very picky, especially mm -hmm. in Paris, but they are smart. They want to... They want smart jokes. They don't want cheap jokes. Yeah. Right. So those were the three. But if you ask me in America... LA? Yeah. Oh my goodness. Well, probably comedy snobs in LA because that's where everybody is. Yeah, but right? they're just so sensitive. And if okay. you're there, so I'm, I'm from a socialist country and I voted Democrat all my life here in the US. But since the last three years, I learned to hate uh, <laughs> those sensitive people. Right. So, where are my best audiences? Texas, uh, Arkansas, yeah, yeah. Utah, not the, not California. Yeah, I don't know. Oh, that's great. I mean, I still have a great show in LA. I, I, I love the LA people, but it's just they, there's no room for sensitive people mm -hmm. unless you don't like freedom of speech. But then, why are you watching stand up comedy? I don't. Yeah, I, yeah. I think those frustrations are there for sure. Yeah, and I, I'm imagining, like, I mean, like Utah, Texas, you, they've probably never interacted with a French person. They have an no. idea about what like a French person might be like. They've heard this, the stereotypes, you know, yeah. of being uppity. Do you, do you think those stereotypes hold up then? Yes. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> well, you're just saying it's such a stereotype that he went to perform in Paris and everyone was him. So yeah, like, <laughs> yeah, 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 no, it's it's a different pride over there it's not yeah. here it's very nationalistic like mm -hmm. you know like the, the the national anthem and and i'll talk about that tonight but in france they are not proud of the government you never see a french person putting a french flag in their <laughs> garden they look very yeah, yeah, yeah. they get in trouble um <laughs> so but they are very proud of their culture and they should because it's it, it is an incredible history yeah And everything is amazing. The food that, except the people, everything is amazing. <laughs> <laughs> but it's getting better. It's getting better. But it used to be that, really. That is true. I mean, never, no one ever talks about going to France to see the, to meet the people. Yeah. Right? Like, they want to go to, for the food. Every time the I art, get there, the I get is annoyed. Is this broadcasting in France? I'm being nervous. I don't care. <laughs> yeah, well. Are the comedy clubs, I have a question, are the comedy clubs that are coming up in Paris, are they similar, do they feel similar to like American comedy clubs or is it a different vibe or what's it like? Okay, so it is different in a few ways, but it basically looks just like an American comedy club, but all petite. So it's smaller. Oh, okay. So instead of 300 seats, you'll have 180 seats, most clubs, and it's a smaller stage and a smaller entrance and... They don't, they pay the comedians in a way better because nobody pays for tickets. There's no two drinks minimum, but at the end, the guy has a hat and everybody drops 10 euro bill, 20 euro bill. Really? And wow. at the end, he has like a thousand euro and he has like six comics and they divide the game between comics. So you'll do four spots a night in Paris and you, you, be, you could be making thousand euro more a week wow. just so, doing 10 minute spots huh, here and there. That's cool. Even even in that instance where you said you bombed with them, yeah, you you the got you got the beret. Was it? Oh no, I I ran after my set. Oh, you're, you're I send them money before another French Revolution. Yeah, yes, that's that's really funny. Yeah, yeah, it was it was it felt good because I I'm not used to tanking. Yeah, so I got there and I was like, ah, my French people. It was my first show in in Paris, you know. So I was. It was something. 
<laughs> but those are those are the ones that uh, build your personality, and you know they're also. I, I when I'm here, I criticize America a lot, and when I criticize French people, the American people laugh too. But in France, they were not laughing that much when I was criticizing here, which was surprising coming from them. They yeah. wanted me to criticize them. Oh, interesting. More right, and uh, and uh, I want I want to. My career is in English. Uh, I mean, if you're famous in France, you're famous only in France. Right. Uh, in English is the world. So, yeah. That's interesting. And I got crazy geeks from my first dry bar tape. I don't know if it's one of your questions, but... Uh, yeah, tell us about it. It's like Cirque du Soleil. Let's just start with that. Wow. Uh, how the heck do you get on Cirque du Soleil, Las Vegas, in front of all these people at the Mad Apple. And how yeah. do they fit, how, do you, how does that work? How are you fit into the <clears throat> So the, the, new, uh, the new Cirque du Soleil show needs uh, three comedians who are like specialty acts. So they have something else than just comedy. Gotcha, okay. And so um, uh, even if I didn't stay there the whole thing, I still had that one night there, which was incredible. I loved it, uh, being between all these Crazy talents, this crazy acrobat. Yeah, that's it's, a yeah. completely insane, insane. Huge show to do. That's amazing. Yeah, so that, uh, some amazing, very well-paid private gigs. Uh, so many things I got from that first tape just as a tool, especially when you send a link that has a million views. Uh, usually get the booking of any... Right. If the title, like, if you say, yeah, I've done Cirque du Soleil, here's my driver special. People, they don't care you've been on that network or this. They're like, what is this guy up to? Yeah, and then next thing you know, you're booked. Yeah, it's amazing. Maybe your next special, you'll get on a different Vegas act, like Penn and Teller or something. <laughs> that's, that's possible. Let's just get you on all the different huge Vegas shows. <laughs> yeah. I, that'd be amazing. I would like that. Yeah, would be. Would be. Well, great. Well, maybe maybe now's a good time to watch a little bit clip. Let's do that, it of that dry bar special. Let's do it, um, and then we'll talk a little bit about the bit, where it came from, and all that. Perfect. See, that's the thing in America, I feel people have the wrong idea about Iran. So tonight, I would like to play a melody that really shows the relationship between America and Iran, because I think that one day we can live in peace. I call this the American-Iran Concerto. Download this music. It's on CNN. <laughs> the Comedy News Network. Comedy News Network is funny that way. It always kills me yeah. too. Yeah, to. <laughs> They're gonna have a lot of awes tonight. Yeah. <laughs> oh, good, good. That's the tough thing because I'm only I'm, I'm a political comedian. I don't talk about anything else on politics. Yeah. And so it's very hard to talk about taboo subjects. So you have to make them overly funny. Right. Like you have to be over. And I'm always, I'm never in, a, I'm in nobody's camp. Like I'm in sides. So I'm always in the middle. So I'm just making fun of everybody, including myself. But um, yeah, let's go. Let's see how it goes tonight because it's going to be lots of, it's going to be a complete <laughs> different set. I can't wait. And, and I, I didn't, I'm, I forgot to tell you, there's a, there's a convention of French people in town. 
Perfect. They sold out the show. So this might be <laughs> nice. Um, I want to talk a little bit about that bit. Uh, can you tell us like where that came from? There's so many different parts of that joke. Like you got you've got the speaking part, you've got the the sound effects that you create with your violin. How how do you even create something like that? So f first, I remember when I just started comedy because I was taking classes. Who does that? Me. <laughs> Stand-up comedy classes. Um, and a few months into my class, my coach said, what do you do for a living? And I'm like, well, I'm a classical violinist. And he said, and you didn't tell me. I'm like, why? It's like, bring the violin next time. And I'm like, why? It's, it's going to be quirky. No. And he's like, no, bring the violin. So I brought the violin. And everything started there. Um, the the number one, to answer your question, the number one thing every time I look for a violin beat is to not sound Corky. I don't want it to sound, eh, hey, it's cute. Right. I want it to be surprising and clever. Mm -hmm. Otherwise, you become a prop comic a comedian and everybody hates you. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> so that beat, uh, you can do any sound you want on the violin. The violin is the closest instrument to the human voice. People don't know that. Oh, interesting. But it's very, very close. And so I'm like, I'm from Iran, France, America, you know, it's, it smells like war. What could, <laughs> what, what could we do? Um, and so I came up with this idea of the Iranian, the US-Iran concerto. I would have never imagined that that, that got, as I said, 40 million views it's across wild. platform, that, that joke every time, huh? Zanis yeah. put it on their channel, it got 3 million views. Like every time a club, whatever, put it just goes. It connects. The Laugh Factory got the same thing, 3 million views. On TikTok, it got 5 million views. Um, so yeah, the siren is just a third. It's a chord that you slide. If you're a decent violin, you know how to do that. And then I needed, I needed a machine gun. And so there were more sounds I added in the past. I just removed them because the rule of three applied as well with the violin. Oh, interesting. And so when you do too much, it's too much. When you don't do enough, people are lost. The ta-ta-ta-ta-ta-ta, I would have never imagined that you can, this is something we know because I, I played in symphony for a few years in Houston. So you can bang at the, the bridge right here and, uh, and it sounds like you're tapping or something. I've never imagined that with the mic, it will actually sound like perfect, like it really sounds like army gunshot. And then the siren, of course, which are the European sirens, not the American one, I think. Uh, <laughs> it, all, it all connects with us. We've seen yeah. enough movies. I used like to this. scream. I used to do crazy things during the, but this is the best version, I think, until today still. Yeah, it, it's hard. So can I go back to something then? So you started doing comedy classes and you weren't going to use your violin at all originally like no. you took the classes yeah and no. oh see i thought you would have gone into it being like this is the thing i'm great at and i'm funny and i can do this so what made you want to do comedy i i needed to be different and and then i was different already because of my accent my face i don't look french and i have a french accent but on top of that to be more different and then i've always been clean i knew it was gonna play at my advantage and it definitely does um yeah, I guess w wanting to be different. And then little by little, I really enjoyed being able to curse at people with the violin, and, <laughs> you know, with the F chord, the C chord. Ooh. I have so many. Tonight, I'm going to introduce the lying chord. Uh, <laughs> there's so many things you can do with the violin. It's like a constant callback. And so if a woman is crazy or a dude is crazy in the crowd, I can so easily insult them. <laughs> without, and it's clean. And, and it's clean. clean. 
And it's and unique. It's clean. That's it's fine. Clean. But see, that joke, that CNN joke, I'm not going to do it tonight because that was in the first special. Right. But people get upset at my shows. Like my fans, I come and I tour the country. And if I don't do the joke, they're like, I told all my buddies you do that joke, blah, blah, blah. And then they, so now I do it in all my you shows. You have to now. Yeah. I'm yeah. not going to do it tonight. But. That's like how Jim Gaffigan still does like a Hot Pockets encore a lot of the time. <laughs> <laughs> Just says. Yeah. They get mad, especially when there's an instrument, you know? Yeah. Yeah. So can I ask you this too? This is going back a little bit, Taylor. That's so totally if I'm going me. back. So when you started comedy, did you have any people you looked up to or comedy inspirations of that course. you were um, of course. inspired um, by? George Carlin, since I love political humor. Um, I like Jim Jeffries. Yeah, yeah, yeah. He hits so hard on all those topics. Um, who I love Ricky Gervais. I love dark humor. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. And then French comedians that you probably don't know. Uh, Coluche was one of them in the 80s, and he died uh, in an accident. Uh, he was very political. He was going to maybe become president of France. So, so you don't think it was an accident? Wow. There is different versions. Wow, but he was wow. a very strong... He was the George Carlin of France. Oh, interesting. But yeah. except imagine George Carlin goes for presidency and everybody wants to vote for him. Whoa. So that's what happened in France. <laughs> yeah, it was pretty insane. Yeah. Um, so that was Coluche. There's many, many people I look to, but those are mainly... The day I saw George Carlin saying, you know why it's called the American dream? Because you have to be asleep to believe it. Yeah. And I was like, this is philosophical. Like, I'm liking this guy. So I started yeah. watching all his stuff. Yeah. Um, so that inspired me a lot. Well, it's impressive yeah. your inspirations aren't typically clean comedians and that you're able to do similar stuff while right. staying in clean comedy. Yeah, that's my thing is... Because I, I, I do more and more uh, shows now with famous people. Like, so, we, yeah, you know, it can be Bill Burr, it can be whoever, it, we keep, oh, what about Jim Jeffries? So we, we've done shows and I love these guys and they do whatever they want, their career, where they are, they do whatever they want. But I do feel in, I have this feeling that when you come from the beginning with this very clean way of talking and a French accent and a violinist, when you're more edgy maybe than those guys, it hits harder because yeah. they were not expecting it. Yeah, yeah. And now they forgive you because they're like, he's a foreign and <laughs> he's nice, he's funny, he's talented. And then I say all these horrible things. <laughs> but, yeah. But I always stay on the edge. So tonight I'm, I'm actually curious because I know it's going to work because I've done the clubs here in Utah and most of those jokes, I've done them here. And I know they hit as hard as anywhere else. Yeah. But it's going to be interesting to see online. I'm very, uh, I think this this special should do even better, way better than the first one, I think. That's exciting. exciting. Yeah, yeah, I think. Yeah, your first one's great. Man. Yeah, I didn't even, I'm not well educated in the French comedy scene. I, I, I hadn't even thought about French comedians ever. Are there comedians? Not even you? you. He never thought about you. <laughs> yeah, yeah, no, no. Yeah. <laughs> That's so American. Of you. <laughs> it's like, as oh, people are like, I travel. Yeah. I'm like, where did you go? I went to Provo. Uh, I went to <laughs> I'm like, you're from Salt Lake City. <laughs> yeah. No, I, I listen exclusively to Utah comedians. That's all I. That's he only listens I to my, I don't get out much. my dry bar It's specials. only his stuff. Oh, he nice. hates it. I don't know why he keeps doing it. The only fan. <laughs> are, are there any French comedians you would recommend that the dry bar audience look up, watch with subtitles, learn French to enjoy? I think it would be such a different culture, to tell you the truth. They might be, yeah. they, they, it's going to get lost in translation, I think. Right. Uh, no, 
<laughs> just, just Armando. Just stick with just Armando. Just me. I translate everything. It's already translated. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's so funny. Uh, there's some jokes. It's funny that they don't. They're funny, but they did not work in France. And I'm like, why? It's just mm -hmm. so funny. Uh, like the joke you can afford. Oh, yeah. When I, I start the show, my old show, I used to start like that, right? I'm going to play something you can afford. One note. Thank you. <laughs> that kills in Mexico City. That kills anywhere in the US. And you go to France and... Uh, eh. <laughs> kind of like they're like, we know we can't afford it. You know you don't need to remind us. <laughs> we would never have that much money to throw into a hat on the way out anyway. Exactly. So, <laughs> so I don't know. It was interesting. So, okay. So you play violin, guitar. Yes. You, I read in your bio you break dance sometimes in your shows. I, I used to break dance. Wow. Uh, and then you I got too built and it's like you break the floor. You actually break No, I had two kids. Dance. <laughs> two kids. <laughs> No, you have two kids? Two, yes, I have two kids. Yeah, four years old and seven now. Um, yeah, no, I used to break dance. I was really good in my 20s. Now I'm 39. So <laughs> I can still do good moves, but I, I destroyed my, uh, my knee, my ACL, and my meniscus nine years ago, so <laughs> 10 years ago. So since then, I don't throw bike flips, things like that. Anymore. Same here. That's what <laughs> I used to do. It was a meniscus? Lot. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah. When did you uh, rupture meniscus, Jordan? I, uh, I remember you ever doing backflips. No, I did a lot. Did it was on lot. stage. It was on stage. Yeah, it was my closer for a long time. <laughs> <laughs> did falling, you ever, I was, falling yeah. down the, the stage? Yeah, yeah, yeah. They got too painful, and you know, I would when I when I was doing stand up, I would do a bit just sometimes asking them, "Who wants to see me do a backflip? Who wants yeah. to see me do a backflip?" Just rile the crowd up. With no intention of actually of doing, doing a backflip. I'm course. not capable. No intention. Yeah, you're just doing a survey to know in the yeah, future. Who wants to see me do a backflip? Is it worth it that I learn how to backflip? Anyway, that is, that is so Did funny. you ever do it on stage? Was that ever part of your comedy? Yes. Oh, really? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Videos of it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. When I'm like, I can't even break dance and I dance and then I go on a pause and I'm, I'm like, this is a flare. This is this, and then I go like, I don't like, and this really hurts. And so <laughs> I would have jokes while I'm break dancing, but I just stop doing it. I'm like, it's too much. It's yeah. like, come on, dude, what else? You're yeah. basically a Cirque du Soleil act on Yes, yeah, they give us exactly. <laughs> By the way, follow me at Armando Violin Comedy, <laughs> right? <laughs> if there are millions of people, email me at I love violin uh, comedy at gmail.com. There you I, go. I, uh, in your special, you say you hate social media. Have you, have you learned to like yes. it more? Or yes. you just... That's the only joke I'm going <laughs> to repeat tonight. <laughs> I'm serious. That's a great joke. Like, I hate social media, but by the way, follow me. I, don't I love when you have people pull out their phones and subscribe to you and the cameras are watching people yeah. follow you. I got, That's I got smart. 10, I, I think I got 12,000 subscribers on that. Something like That's that. That's amazing. Not Man. bad. That's really funny. You know, That's a to maximize. That's a genius move. I'll do some promotion tonight too. You have to take advantage of it. But now I have, I have a fun way to insult them if they don't follow me. So we'll see that tonight. <laughs> right. Can you give us a teaser or no? I uh, guess that's what we want. No, it's just out. I'm using my chords basically. Oh. <laughs> gotcha. uh, any other instruments that you play? Not saying two. At least Little two bit of piano, okay. uh, because now I uh, I have I teach my kids and my. My kids that take piano lessons, so in my method, because I also own music schools. I have two music schools. I have one in, in Houston, one in Los Angeles. And so um, uh, in, in our school, the parent has to learn with the child. 
so they can teach at home. And so I've never been oh. a great pianist, but they play violin and piano, my kids. So I have to learn some learning. And uh, that's one of the other things I do. I teach. I love teaching. And in those classes, do you teach the... Uh the, the comedy F-score? side <laughs> <laughs> lesson number one <laughs> yeah really really conservative violinists won't even touch the f chord they won't, no. even, they won't even no it's my creation yeah <laughs> which by the way it's not a real f chord it's a fake f chord it's just the easiest way to get the violin is to play open strings uh yeah. but that's not the real f chord for real musicians who know that. Wow, my whole the whole thing shattered yeah. for me. Right? I thought that Man, was I don't know if I can watch it. <laughs> I know, I know, right? I know. I know. It's it's it's, it's brutal the first time I had to create something easy. So no, yeah, I, I do use comedy during my classes. I make a fun class, especially with teenagers. Yeah, that's a super fun class. I love the idea of you creating the next generation of comedian violinists. <laughs> Just like you become the, the Seinfeld, you know how everyone was like Became Seinfeld after Seinfeld. Everyone, every comedian in the next generation will just be violinist. Well, it's, it's an interesting topic because we have not had a famous prop for musician comedian since the early 2000s. Did you notice that? Do you, name me somebody who just got a huge special in the last 10, 15 years that has a piano or guitar or anything. The only, I can only think of like Steve Martin with his banjo, right? Man, that's, that's a long time. That's, that's, long that's time. 1805. Yeah. Dimitri Martin, I guess, played a little bit of guitar, but I don't know if he was. Yeah. So I've heard song. in the industry few times people telling me, you're going to break the pattern. You're going to break because I'm so different and I'm political and this and that. We'll see. We'll see. Huh? As I said, there's many things happening right now um, in my career. There is a show I've done that's coming out in November. Um, there's just many, many different platforms when I'm going to start popping up. That's exciting. Uh, so it is exciting. I can't complain. Can't complain. That's great. That's great. So how are you with um, improvising on the violin? Can you pretty much play improvisationally? Yeah, whatever. Do you yeah. ever do that in your act, like crowd work with your violin? <laughs> <laughs> Not really. Once it was quite incredible. I love that story. I was in Houston, Texas, and uh, <laughs> and there was like 350 people. It was at the Joke Joint. So it's a club that closed. I love that that club. And there was a kid who just turned 21, so he's hammered. And halfway <laughs> through my set, he started vomiting on his table, crazy, like like disgusting. He starts smelling. People are grossed out. And if I don't address this. I'm a psychopath because you, <laughs> you can't miss that. Right, 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 right. So I went. Can't power through that. I don't, I don't know. I got this moment of genius and I said, is it the music? <laughs> yeah. And the crowd lost it. Like literally people were falling down their chairs and I'm starting to play the violin as he's still vomiting. <laughs> no and way. so he's just going Bleh. and I'm like playing and I'm waiting and I'm like second movement and we continue <laughs> no and the place is upside down. It's completely insane. I can't believe I don't have this in video. Uh, so that happened. Uh, but Amazing. no, usually I don't improvise, but I improvise with celebrities. Uh, Craig Robinson, you know, Craig uh, Robinson yeah, yeah, from yeah, the yeah. office. Yeah, yeah. So we have our thing going on. We've played two or three times already on stage. He's like, Armando, I'm going to call your name and then we're going to play together. <laughs> and so he comes and he plays all these crazy things, his songs on the piano, and I just improvise and we have a blast. The audience loves it. Oh, yeah. Because wow. I've seen him perform and the songs he does, people love. So I imagine adding it. you to that would just 
blow the place up. Yeah, yeah, yeah. No, he told me, he said, you're something else. I'm like, I know. <laughs> <laughs> Thank you, Craig. We know. He's a great guy. He's funny. So what kind of music were you playing for the vomiting? Was there a certain tone you were going through? I think I was for? playing a minuet of Boccherini. That's so. my, that was what I would have chose too. So yeah. Well, yeah. <laughs> I mean, Boccherini is the, the funniest composer. He's <laughs> <laughs> that guy. You've heard it. Imagine Wait, the guy, yeah. the guy oh is gosh. vomiting. Yeah, and yeah, I go. go for it. Oh, yeah. oh that's hilarious that's incredible yeah there's many classical pieces but everybody knows they just don't know the name do you have a you do you have a classical piece for every situation probably yeah you can find yeah something romantic something sad something if i'm on stage and i'm bomb just bombing Uh what what are you gonna play wait something very long what would be something very long? Or something when you're about to die. <laughs> Maybe that until you really... As the crowd exit, circles exit in. This. Yeah. Or... That would be a good one. Or just this. You know, just yeah, get off yeah. the stage. Man. Get off the stage. That's Taylor needed that because he bombs a lot. And he just oh, yeah. needs something to think about when he's yeah, on stage. yeah. yeah, yeah. I'm Do you really bomb a lot? Is that a truth or are you just saying that to be fun? <laughs> no, Because I never fine. understood comedians who are like, yeah, I tanked or I'm going to tank. That's the one I understand the least. I'm going to tank. I'm like, why? I'm only going to do new stuff. And I'm like, they pay tickets. <laughs> like, Because yeah, yeah. in, in my classes, the, the idea was if you want to work on your material, you start with the good stuff, you finish with the good stuff in the middle. That's where so, you can play yeah. around. So if with. you do eight minute set, you'll do maybe two minutes of new stuff in the middle. Yeah, yeah. But no, I love the confidence of especially the famous people, which is like four hundred people who buy a ticket to see you, and they're like, "This is all new stuff, so it's gonna tank." Forty five minutes of tanking. I never yeah, understood that. No, I, I I don't bomb a ton, but I do I do a lot of improv and improvisational stuff. So it's like you're bound to bomb doing yeah. that, right? So yeah, it's always new. Yeah, and I, I guess I'm a good student. Like when the I did pretty much most of the big competition and festivals, and usually I advance in finals because they judge you on audience reaction, your voice, and then how different you are. Right. If you're clean, you get extra points. Uh-huh. Uh, so I heard all these, probably the head of most networks telling the same thing, which is we can't judge you on crowd work. And crowd work is the easiest laugh because it's the reality. Right. What's hard is to create the reality. But anything you say to a crowd is going to be 10 times funnier. It's like the, the F-bomb. It's always going to make something funnier if you go, oh, this and that. So I don't know. I just from the beginning, I train myself not to riff too much with the audience unless right. I have to. Now it's been 10 years and so I'm good at it, but it's not something that I, how to say, preserve Right. Yeah, right, it seems right. like a lot of new comics are leaning on that. I don't know if you see on TikTok and stuff, but most clips are crowd work clips now. Because that's where you're going to get most views. That's where you're going to get yeah. most laugh. It's the reality. So then you have setups, right? So fake crowd work. You're looking for, you know, like... I'm, yeah, yeah, plants. And- 
I was going to offer to throw up during your show tonight if you wanted to get that in the dry bar special. <laughs> That's going to go viral. <laughs> do, it at the, do it at the very beginning. Okay. Just uh, some of that coffee creamer from the fridge yes. beforehand. That'll do the, yes. that'll do the trick. It means the whole uh, coffee thing. <laughs> this looks like coffee, but it's not. <laughs> we tried in the creamer, and there was no real sugar. And it was a nightmare. The whole thing. Uh, We're lucky you're still here with yeah, us. Yeah, thanks for uh, sticking through when we didn't have. I, you know, I sacrificed myself sometimes. I was telling oh, Taylor, French people love their coffee, and he said it'll be fine. Yeah. And, <laughs> I'm, not, I'm, un, I'm uneducated as far as French people. I thought all French comedians were mine. He said we have pumpkin spice <laughs> Keurig cups, and that's what everybody wants. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> it's pumpkin spice season. It is. This is going to be a great night. Yeah, it's going to be awesome. <laughs> yeah. Well, what question do you have for Jordan? Because I'm just kidding. Right. <laughs> what made you decide to open for me? Like, what happened in your life that you were like, I got to open for this guy? Well, um, I was playing my instrument, um, Guitar Hero. Oh, and yeah. I thought, <laughs> <Guitar Hero. laughs> I, thought I need to be able to, wish I could hone this. I wanted to see how you owned it. I still haven't been able to bring Guitar but, Hero on stage. But you opened for me at the club that's not the Provo one, the other one. It's Yeah, it's north of Salt Lake, uh, Ogden. Ogden. I'm pretty sure, Ogden. right? Yeah, that was fun. That's that a was big, a really good show. That's a bigger one, yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Um, yeah, yeah I, that I love about the clubs around here. There's only two openers, and then the headliner goes, and that's great. I like to mm -hmm. go on stage after 20, 25 minutes, not forty-five minutes. Yeah, when there's too many yeah. openers, it drags on for a bit. Like yeah, especially if, I, if especially if it's me. I I want to apologize <laughs> for my bombing comment, Taylor. No, no, it's totally fine. Um, I <laughs> do some reflection. Yeah, no. So I have a crazy story. If yeah, you want to hear. So you said how to start comedy. Like the real reason why I started comedy is actually an insane story. Uh, because I was traveling the world uh, as a violinist. And I had any, you're 27 to 30, basically. So I'd, anything a man could dream of, you know, traveling, having fun, you know, no family, nothing, just having a good life. But I start feeling I, I lost the goals. I, I just started having this illness rich people have. I was depressed. <laughs> <laughs> and, and I called my buddy and I'm like, dude, I just did Brazil, Japan, Russia. Like I just did all these countries, Peru. And I'm like, what should I do? And he's like, you should go back to Peru and do an ayahuasca ceremony. <laughs> and so that's where the story picks up because and I'm, I'm, that's how I'm closing tonight. Uh, the show is with the ayahuasca beat because the first thing I'm the first thing that surprised me was meeting the tiny little uh, shaman, you know, the the drug dealer. Uh, <laughs> and, and so he told me, he said, tonight you're going to meet yourself, you know, meet myself for the first time. Like, what what an honor. <laughs> that's what you've been wanting for so long yeah, right that's where the depression came from not being able to meet and interact it's, with yourself it's yeah. exactly that and so imagine you're in the middle of the jungle and you have to take a small boat for like six hours from the city and now you're in the jungle like literally like piranhas anacondas all those things it's like that's the setting and then you get to that village there is no electricity nothing and no cell phone connection and that's 11 years ago and I, I go in the forest on a Friday night. You cannot eat anything the day prior. So you're like, you know, with nothing in your body. And the more you eat, 
drink alcohol, smoke cigarettes, things that I was doing a lot at that time, uh, eat meat, whatever, the more you have toxins and ayahuasca is a cleansing. So basically, the more you have those, the harder the trip's going to be. And then when <laughs> I got there at night, the shaman, because at that time I was working out, I was bigger. And for them, I was like a bodybuilder. So he gave right. me twice the dosage of the ayahuasca, which okay. is a red cup of almond. Honestly, if if you drink vomit, I guess it would be like that. It's really <laughs> disgusting. Yeah. So you just, I drink two of those. And then you're supposed to vomit an hour or two into your session. So the bad spirit, whatever it is, comes out and you have your trip. I don't vomit. I'm not somebody who vomits easily. So when you digest, it screw you way more. <laughs> and so I went through all this crazy trip. Uh, and then there is a moment when everybody vomited. It was 2 a.m. after four hours. Me, my trip was just getting worse. Oh, no. And just imagine you have 500 thoughts in your head, but at the same time. And they're like deep thoughts, you know, like when you analyze somebody and you make assumptions about their past at the same time. My pulse was low. I was shaking on the ground and my I was basically insane in my head. And I remember thinking, I'm like, I'd rather die than just feel like this another second. There was another guy doing the ceremony with me, a Russian doctor. It was his 40th ceremony or something, a plant doctor. And so I'm coming out at 3 a.m. and I'm in the middle of the Amazon at night. All the animals are making so much noise. And I'm just like going around and I'm like, I don't feel good. I don't feel good. Really. <laughs> and there's all these thoughts and they don't stop. And then the, the Russian doctor comes and he grabs me and he's like, it's normal. You eat meat, you drink alcohol, you smoke cigarettes, ayahuasca is cleansing you. It's normal. And then there's one extra thought in my head on top of all the other one is why am I talking to a Russian doctor in the middle of the Amazon? <laughs> you know? And that literally made me lost conscious. Like I just lost conscious right there. Yeah. Like I got knocked down by my brain. And when I woke up, I slapped the guy, like a shot of adrenaline, you know, just, and I slapped him <laughs> and I'm like, what the F? <laughs> and I look at my hand and it's bloody. And I look and I'm bleeding here and here because I hit my head again, one of these giant trees. And literally they brought me back to the tent and I, for one week, I couldn't feel anything. And I went back to my parents' house like a baby and cried. And I was like, I, I don't feel when I eat, I'm not hungry. I lost 17 pounds that week. Wow. Um, I couldn't eat anything that wasn't fruit after that for a while. And I couldn't feel anything, any sense, even sleeping, any, nothing. And there's one thing that was scaring me is like, if I play the violin, will I feel the music? And so a week later, I took the violin and I started playing Bach. And I felt all the adrenaline coming down my spine. And again, I'm not religious. I'm nothing. I'm very logical guy. But this is what really happened. I felt my body wake up again. And I think that's what they call about the rebirth after ayahuasca. Like I started discovering the pleasures of life with a mentality of an adult. But like it's the first time. So I really appreciated everything. And then I'm like, I need to challenge myself because if I keep doing this, I'm going to go crazy. I'm like, look what you've done. Like, why did you put yourself in that situation? And so then I went on Google and out of the worst jobs that were listed, stand-up was one of them. <laughs> and, and it, no, it's true. It's true. <laughs> Everything I say, it's the honest truth of exactly what happened. <laughs> you looked up the and worst job. On the worst job yourself. people don't want to do, 
stand up is one of them. And I, I didn't want to do all the other ones that were either nasty or dangerous or something. And I looked at coming, I'm like, well, I always loved George Collin and all of that. And I'm like, I think I can do that. And then I just had to decide LA or New York. And I'm like, I hate cold <laughs> LA. <laughs> and that's it. And then I think it was the next day or something. I told my everybody, I said, I'm going to become a stand up comedian. And everybody who knew me, they're like, oh, my God, he's going to become a stand-up comedian. <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> it's like, we know this guy is going to do it. <laughs> Crap. And then as soon as I arrived in, in, uh, in I said France as a, as soon as I arrived in Hollywood, I felt like at home. Because between the mountain, the, the beaches, and then the crazy people. And all the talents, the best in the world and the worst, and all these crushed dreams. <laughs> and I was like, ah. Feeding off of it. Yes. <laughs> and I was like, feeling good. That's exactly what I needed. And I got served <laughs> because as soon as I went to my first open mic, as soon as I had my first real show, as soon as I had my first big TV network, I got served the worst way possible. Yeah. Uh, they played me so many ways, the industry, the worst way possible. And every time I was smiling, I was like, ah, that's why I came here. <laughs> <laughs> but that's exactly that, that. I don't know. So, yes, I am disciplined and everything, but I feel like for succeeding at something is not enough. I think you really need to enjoy the negative part of it, the negativity. And yeah. so that's why when I bombed in February in France, I was so excited because I was like, wow, I did 11 hours of flight. <laughs> I'm I'm not here because I'm getting paid. I'm here just because I wanted to tour Paris in French and I'm like look how I'm being served. Fantastic. <laughs> what does that do for you having those negative experiences? It makes me feel alive. Okay. But imagine if your life is only great things. It's boring. It's yeah. like it's like if you watch an Indiana Jones movie but there is but he stays a teacher the whole time. You know, nothing oh, happens. Man. So I feel like like death is part of life. I feel like you need the drama. You need... But look at how many famous people like kill themselves or go depressed. Because yeah. when you have everything, there's nothing to look for. I just realized why I'm not fulfilled in life. I've, I've never bombed before. <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> That's why I'm sad. You succeed. I just realized that. Uh, yeah. Well, I've seen no, you once at least. <laughs> <laughs> that was the happiest night of my life, even though it was the worst yeah. performance, though. Yeah, come come join me. That story is incredible. No, That's thank amazing. you. I, I tell that story because, I don't know, I feel there's so many people wasting their time. You know, like, they're, eh, especially comedians. When I see whining comedians, I'm like, you're in the wrong business. <laughs> like, you don't become a comedian and complain about anything. Because from the beginning, you signed a contract with the devil. <laughs> like it was, yeah. it was written in the contract. <laughs> One of the big contracts I signed said uh, something like, you have to give up your morality, your morality to the universe and beyond. <laughs> <laughs> and beyond. This is like worse than signing a contract with the devil. Like this. The, you know, yeah, that's the dry bar. That's the standard yeah, dry bar. That's our contract, contract we yeah. signed. Yeah, no, that's right. no, dry bar wasn't that bad. <laughs> I read the driver contract. It's actually quite friendly. Uh, but no, it's it's crazy. So when I see whining comedians, I don't get it. Because I'm like, you, and, and, and mostly whining comedians, I'm like, it's your fault. You're the one who put you in, yourself in that situation. Yeah. Like the thing that drives me crazy is to see uh, comedians sleeping in their cars. Like they're like, I'm, 
oh crap, you both sleep in your car? No, not us. <laughs> well, he sleeps no, in my no, no. car, so it's, it's even worse. We have, a, we have other places <laughs> yeah. to That's stay. an Airbnb. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. No, yeah. Sorry, I'm late on rent, by the way. No, yeah, but it's booked. I'm the like, you, got, you gotta out. make money aside. I don't care if you work in McDonald's or anywhere else yeah. to invest in your, yeah, exactly. in your career. I spent so much money investing in my career. So Well, yeah. it seems like just your work ethic, starting at age five, playing violin, mastering that, that you were primed to just really succeed in this world of comedy that does bring in a lot of people that maybe don't have a whole lot of direction in their life, you know? But you knew what you wanted to do and you excelled at it right away. Are so you speaking cool. in third person right now? Uh, just people that are lost, that, not me, but well, people I know. And <laughs> that's funny you said that because I always say the only thing preventing you from any kind of goals, I don't care what's your goal, what's prevent, the only thing stopping you is death, honestly. Like the only thing is dying. The rest is excuses. All the rest is just either being lazy or whatever is the problem. But all I know is that death is the only thing that can. So don't kill me, please. But... Uh, <laughs> <laughs> Can you cut that one? <laughs> There's millions of people watching. watching. Someone, How do we stop yeah, Armando? Yeah, yeah. What do we do? And he gave <laughs> us the perfect. But you know, <laughs> you know, it's been ten years I do comedy, and and I cannot. I have a very successful career. I cannot complain, and I make good living from it now from comedy. But um, I'm still not famous. I'm known like I because of my following. Yeah. I'll, random like i was in turkey or in france or where and it's randomly people are in la people stop me in the street randomly and yeah. ah, you're that's a awesome guy but i'm not you you wouldn't know me if i was not doing dry bar that's what i'm trying to say so i don't know what it takes and that's why i feel like the bar is so high you know that you, you if you go 100 percent, you're gonna get 20 percent in return you have to go like 500 percent, and you might get 80 in yeah. return. it's just so unfair how it's done. So right. I don't know how they make it in 10 years to to become known or luck played. I don't know. Yeah. I think there's a little bit of work ethic, luck, talent, all of that kind of. I think at some and point you need to wake up and slap a Russian doctor and then yes. you're on your I, way. Oh, yeah. Dash ayahuasca <laughs> and no death. <laughs> yeah. And don't die. <laughs> Not dying is important. Yeah. <laughs> yeah i don't know i don't know because it depends what you want i ask comedians i'm like what's your dream and they tell me oh i just want to be a headliner and go around clubs i'm like well that's that's feasible that's yeah. not too hard i think uh now if your dream is like mine like no i want to do stadiums i want to be right. super known i want i want to you know my voice to be heard that's a hard task yeah, because yeah. now it's you and the industry, and I feel the more I'm into this game, the more I feel like the industry is coming when you're already up there, uh, mm. and I'm already talking to so many guys like that that, you know, done it this way, like Joe Coy, uh, guys who just build their own, their own fame, and right. then then they come. Yeah. So. Well, I hope this next dry bar special catapults you into that. I hope yeah. so. Territory. I'm really hoping big numbers on that one. So. Well, yeah. we're. Ex we're excited, really excited to see it. And yeah. Thank you so much for Thank you for, for having me. Away. That was a lot of fun. It was a pleasure for us. We we hope, you know, we can have you back another time. I'm sure. Yeah. I'm sure. Why not? If my carry is not changing, I'll be back. <laughs> <laughs>
That's yeah, a good yeah. closer. Well. <laughs> How to get fired <laughs> from really? Taiwan. You can cut that one too. No, that was great. That was great, I think. Great. Um, anything you want to plug before we go? Uh, uh, no, I'm on tour. Uh, my website, armandoanto.com. Anto is A-N-T-O. Armando, don't make me spell that. So <laughs> armandoanto.com, you can see my tour dates. And yeah, follow me. It's easy. It's Armando Violin. Or just put Violinist Comedian online. I'm the only one alive. Uh, <laughs> there we go. That's that's ultimate SEO right there. And yeah. then and then now what I tell people the best way is I'm old school is you email me at I love violin comedy at Gmail with your city name. And I'll put you on my list and I'll let you know. Well, that's fantastic. Beautiful. Thanks That's for being it. here, Armando. This was awesome. Thank you, guys. Thank you, Armando. And thanks, thanks, thanks to, to the Tim. viewers. Uh, we're excited to see you next time. This has been the Drybar Comedy Podcast. Remember to check the drybarcomedy.com for merch and upcoming shows and I, the latest specials coming out. I forgot something. I'll well, go for it. Watch my first special, Drybar. It's called Maestro of Comedy. Okay, maestro of comedy, and watch this one that's gonna come out in thirty years. When is it gonna <laughs> uh, come about, out? About, yeah, about thirty years. Yeah. yeah, yeah okay. Yeah. No, it should be. Our goal is to get it out be before you die. That's the goal. Before you die. So before spring. But if you, <laughs> Armando, if you die beforehand, it's not coming out. So just so remember. No, 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 it stay has alive. to come out. <laughs> um, thank you guys so much for watching. We'll catch you next time. See you next time. Bye bye.